Hey mentors, it's Jenna Berry, your host for the School of Mentoring podcast, where I interview mentoring experts and everyday mentors from across the country to give you insider tips, tricks, and tools so you can be the very best mentor. Hey mentors, it's Tuesday and you know what that means. It's time for another episode. This week I am joined by my husband, Michael Berry. He is a PE teacher and coach at a local school here and he sees hundreds of kids every day. And yet, every single one of those kids feels like they're Mr. Barry's favorite. He knows their names and he's able to engage them in really amazing ways. And so I had to bring him on to share with us how he does it and what are some of the easy ways that we can do that when we're building mentor relationships. So join me in welcoming Coach Barry. Hey, babe. Thanks for joining me today on my podcast. I'm so excited for my mentors to hear from you and kind of get some really great tools. I'm a little bit biased because (laughs) you're my husband, but I also know that you are so great at pulling kids in and engaging them and helping them to feel seen. So I'm very excited for you to share these tools with my friends. Uh, Thank you, Jen. You are so wonderful at helping students feel seen and just kind of cared for. And I know that you see a ton of students. And so I'm really excited for you to share some of those tools with our mentors. How many students would you say that you see in a week? With my job, I'm a PE teacher. So I teach kindergarten through 12th grade. It's a big span. It is. And so I see seven different classes a day. I average 20 to 45 kids per class. Um, I'd roughly say 550 kids in an average week. That's quite a few kids. Now, with that scope of just how many kids that you see, how in the world do you make them feel seen? And how do you create that engagement with them where they know that Coach Barry knows them? First of all, I make it a point the first two weeks of school to learn all the kids' names. And yes, that's a lot of names. I was to say all 550 names? It's a lot of work. A lot of times I'll get multiple kids with the same name, which is great. Uh, <laughs> but then keeping them straight is always fun. One thing I like to do is uh, learn something about each kid. And so then I have a story about that kid to go along with their name. And in the first several weeks of school, I try to use each kid's name in conversation with them as many times as I can. And if you're (laughs) in my classes the first couple weeks, it can seem obnoxious at times, but they know that I know who they are. Yeah. It seems like it's very important to you to have them know that you know their name. What is it about a kid's name that is so important for you to know? Each and every kid, they have a name, first, last name, that is special and unique to them. It's who they are. It's what they've known as their identity so far. Mm. And so it's all just wrapped up in their value. Oh, I see that, yeah. The name that their family has given them. Sometimes there's baggage that goes along with that. But for a kid to know that you know who they are, it's knowing their name. I love that. I know when somebody knows my name that I kind of don't expect to know my name, I'm like, you know me? And so I can only imagine that kids who know you're seeing so many students have that kind of feeling of like, oh, Mr. Barry, he knows me? This is great. You also talked about that you like to learn a fact or a story about them. 
do you use that in talking to them so that they know that you know them and not just their name? Or is it just that it's something that helps you remember their name? When I'm learning their names at first, I'll use a random fact or a story or even a shared experience that we have in the first couple of weeks to help me remember their name. But then it goes beyond that. Every time I have kids in class, yeah. I'm asking about family members. I'm asking about the trip they just went on. Mm. Uh, I've got a lot of kids out for hunting trips right now. It's just following up with information that I already know about them. So you're kind of continuing to build that relationship with them by remembering little facts. I mean, it's not like you're having to remember giant stories about them. These are things like, hey, you went hunting last week. Didn't you tell me about that hunting trip? Yeah. And it's not overcomplicated, like super long stories. It's really just continuing a conversation with each of the kids. Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that idea that everybody feels like they're kind of in a continued ongoing conversation with you. Yeah. I don't need to come up with new content every time. Sometimes I need to ask questions, but it's really just like going to see your family for the holidays. You pick up where you left off. For me, that's a lot easier when I've got almost 600 conversations going and I've got a name and a face tied in with it. Because I have so many kids at the same time, I don't spend 10, I can't, I can't spend 10 minutes yeah. on a conversation with one kid. It's 30 seconds. It's right. 10 seconds sometimes. Yeah. It's, man, good to see you back. How'd you do? Awesome. Let's get running. That's so great. I think our mentors will end up having longer conversations often, but yeah. I think some of the biggest fear is that initial, like, how to get the conversation started. Mm -hmm. And I like that idea of, like, it's just a continued conversation. So where did you leave off last time that you were meeting together? Yeah. Did they share yeah. that they were going on a trip? Did they whatever? So when you come back together, it's not re-meeting them. Yep. It's continuing where you left off yeah. because you've already built that relationship and you care enough about them to remember what they were talking to you about the last time. Yeah, I like what you said about caring about them. These kids are important to me. I remember things about them and I, I love to see they buy in when you continue that conversation with them and when you follow up on things that are important to them. Yeah, oh, buy-in. I think that's a big part of relationship building for mentors is getting buy-in from students and their mentees is these kids need to feel like you care about them and you see yeah. them and yeah. they're not just one of many and that you're just moving on. And you see so many students and yet I've watched this where none of those kids feel like they're one of 500. They all <laughs> feel like they're Mr. Barry's number one. Uh, and so I love how you're talking about these quick engagements can still be so impactful. And there's a trick to helping kids feel like they are the one. Mm -hmm. And it's, well, let me share it with you. This is <laughs> I was going to say, we need this insider information. <laughs> this is what makes me successful as a PE teacher. I was a youth pastor for yeah. about 10 years. I didn't know this early on, and I tried to be everything to everyone yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I would let others interrupt me from yeah. conversations. I would be mid-conversation. I would let other kids distract me. It wasn't until a student stopped me and came back and was like, hey, I was in the middle of this and you mm -hmm. walked away. You you got distracted. And what I realized at that point and from then on uh, was that in the moment, mm -hmm. my full attention, short of emergencies, is on that kid. 
And so for that moment, they are seen, they are heard 100%. As much as I can, I let kids finish their thought. I let kids finish their sentence. I let kids finish their story. <laughs> Sometimes in a class <laughs> of 36 kindergartners right. where all of them want and are fighting and competing for my attention at the same time, that's really tough, really tough to let mm -hmm. one kid finish their story or finish their thought. But the moment I start letting others interrupt me is the moment kids start getting lost and kids start not feeling valued by me. Yeah. And you're essentially holding space for that person. Mm -hmm. You're saying that your story, this thing that you're telling me is so important, you're going to have my full attention, my eye contact, and I'm going to actually stop other people from interrupting you. Yep. That yep. is amazingly impactful for kids who get interrupted all day long and told what to do all day long to have somebody just uninterrupted give them two minutes yeah. of their time. Yep. And one way that uh, I see people getting distracted and allowing themselves to be distracted is their phone. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> From the moment I step out of my car at mm -hmm. school, my cell phone goes in my pocket. The office can get a hold of me if they need to, but I notice whenever I pull my phone out, whether it's to take attendance, whether it's to take a call from the office, right. the kids start to misbehave, get wild, kind of do their own thing. Yeah. We allow it to happen. We allow our phones to distract us from what's going on in front of us. And Absolutely. I love that. I feel like you have given us a lot of really great, simple tools, but that is a big one. Like having your phone off and just knowing that this time that you are with these students because you have your students for like half an hour to 45 minutes right yep well, and younger kids I have about just over half an hour and middle school high school I have up for about an hour right so being intentional about that time I think for our mentors a lot of times they have their student for only an hour it's one hour of their day that that student's in their life and if they're on their phone or distracted by their phone it can be so disheartening to their mentee because their yeah. mentee is going to yep. feel like they aren't important or that they're not valued and so setting that time aside is really important. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about eye contact. We talked about this just a little bit where you said you give the students your full attention and you give them your eye contact. Yeah. Talk to me about the meaning of eye contact. I know if I'm not looking at a kid they don't feel heard mm. or they don't feel like I am watching them. It's huge in the younger kids. It's just amplified with elementary kids, fourth, fifth, sixth graders even, where if I'm not directly looking at them, they don't know that I heard them. They don't know that I saw the skill that they were practicing and succeeding in for the first time maybe. As I get older, as the kids get older, eye contact is a funny thing because they're all getting cell phones, they're all <laughs> glancing between phones and screens and people and uh, whatever else is going on and so there's something else competing for their eye contact. Mm. For me, when I'm talking to a kid, I've got to see their eyes so that I know they heard me. I've got to make eye contact so they know I see them. Being seen in a world with so many competing distractions, screens, mm -hmm. cell phones, whatever it is, so many people, so much noise, for me to look at them and make eye contact with them makes them know I see them as well as hearing them and as yeah. well as knowing them. I like that you talked about the difference between younger kids and older kids. So like younger kids are going to thrive on eye contact. They're going to be really excited that they have your full attention. 
high school and middle school kids sometimes get a little freaked out, (laughs) right? They're like, oh my goodness, why are you looking at me? Why do you want to see me? Mm -hmm. And so do you find yourself doing things a little bit different when you're with your high school and middle school students? Do you give them eye contact and adjust it? Or is it something that you just are kind of consistent with across the span of age? I totally use eye contact with the older kids as a classroom management tool. (laughs) Um, My students know that if I look at them for too long, they must be doing something wrong, or maybe they didn't hear the instructions and need to be doing something differently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I use eye contact differently in that way. But when I engage my middle school, high school kids on individual experiences, individual students, I make eye contact with them. Mm -hmm. I use their name. I follow up on conversations with them. They know that Coach Barry knows them, that Coach Barry cares for them. And consequently, I get alumni that I taught six, seven years ago coming back to just see me, give me hugs, Mm -hmm. reconnect with me. Just last week, I had a (laughs) 22-year-old come back and sit through one of my PE classes. Yeah. It was awesome. That's great. So we've talked a little bit about the first initial engaging, getting students to um, get bought in and feel like they are known and seen by you. But now, I mean, you have a lot of these students all year long. How do you maintain that same level of buy-in and that same level of engagement with students over a longer period of time? Great question, Jenna. (laughs) A couple of things. I think I'll list them both or maybe three and then break them down a little bit. First, I'm a big high-fiver pre-COVID. Mm. <laughs> I probably gave out 5,000 high-fives a day for anything and everything. Anytime I passed a kid, name, high-five, whatever it was. Better luck next time. You got this. High-five. Great job. Nice work. Really seeing a lot of effort out of you today. That's awesome. High-five. That's um, a great engagement tool just because it's a safe contact point, too. Like On yeah. so many levels, there's some kids who just avoid all contact with adults and it because it can be scary or intimidating yeah. but a high yeah. five is pretty unintimidating and it feels safe and it's something that's fun and like include inclusive yeah um it allows them to be a part of something uh, i've had to get pretty creative since covid a lot of fist bumps even before covid i would probably wash my hands 30 to 50 times a day <laughs> just because of all the kids i was coming in contact with Fist bumps, elbow bumps, foot fives. We've developed a group of 30 or 40 kids that do a a foot five routine. (laughs) That's Um, fun. Air high fives. Any way that we can celebrate uh, one another, just developing that connection and that engagement there. The more enthusiastic and fearless I am with it, Mm. uh, the kids will tend to reciprocate for me. I love that. It's on all the time, but I kind of develop a Coach Barry personality that the few people that don't see it are probably you (laughs) at home, the trees when I'm out relaxing in nature or something. I love being loud. I love being energetic and enthusiastic. And the more that I am excited to do PE or excited to see kids, Mm -hmm. it's just so easy for kids to reciprocate that. You're kind of setting the tone. You're telling them when they show up, it's going to be fun. Come on, I'm so excited. Kids really respond to that. If you aren't in the right 
attitude if you're not excited it's hard for them to get excited so i like that you kind of create that mirror relationship with them where you're like see i'm excited this is great come on join me and they're like how can you not get excited when somebody else is like let's do this yeah yeah another thing with maintaining engagement with kids i'm usually the first one to laugh at myself if i make a mistake (laughs) yeah occasionally there's a couple kids on it a little more than I am and realize <laughs> or point out my mistake first. Let me guess. They're in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> middle schoolers, yes, yes. But just being willing to laugh at myself, not take myself too seriously, allows that same freedom to the kids to make mistakes and to learn from them and to grow through those. We use a lot of growth mindset in PE and in physical education. Maybe a student isn't good at something yet. It's that idea that hard work and determination and continuing to work at it and learn from the mistakes gets them there. When I can be there and provide feedback for them in a way that they can take it and grow from it, it all just goes back to me knowing my students, them seeing that I know them, that they feel heard, they've bought into to who we are as PE family. Yeah. And And they're open to listening to what you have to say because you've built the trust, because you know their name, because you have validated them as people. Yeah. That's really great. You have told us so many amazing tools. I'm so excited for our mentors to get these. The last thing that you didn't mention on maintenance, but I feel like I've seen you do this, is you kind of create routines within your PE class so the students kind of know what to expect. How do you do that and maybe why do you do that? Ah, that's great. Kids, from my experience, thrive in structure and routines. Mm -hmm. There's a time for chaos and there's a time for structured chaos. My PE kids know that when they walk through my door, there's a set of expectations to get ready for class. There's expectations on how they enter my gym. Hmm. There's expectations on where they enter the gym. Okay. And then as soon as we get into our warm-up, we've got language that goes along with our stretching routines and our warm-ups and our fundamentals and our drills and things that the kids know. It's kind of like being at a summer camp almost Hmm. where you sing for your breakfast, you sing for your lunch, you <laughs> sing for your dinner, and the kids know it, and they love it, and they they can't wait to come back to PE tomorrow. Some of my elementary classes I only have two or three times a week, and every time I see them, they're asking me, what's for PE tomorrow? What's for PE on Thursday? What's yeah. What do we get to do next? Just creating an atmosphere of fun, an atmosphere of everybody's welcome Um, any skill level is welcome I make sure that they know when I'm doing grades and things that it's based on effort and attitude Uh, nobody's nobody's graded on anybody else's performance kids best effort is what helps them grow anyways I like that idea of when they come in, they know what what to expect, but they also know what's expected of them. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. something about kind of setting that expectation and being like, when you come into this space, we're going to behave this way. And with mentorship, a lot of times we're meeting people in different places and situations are different. But if we set this tone of when we meet, this is how we're going to come together. We're going to come and meet at this time. We're going to show up together. And you kind of set this culture of, of showing up. It kind of creates this felt safety for the mentee and you're creating that for your students where they know what to expect so it's not intimidating to show up 
They yeah. know what's expected of them, but they also know what they're going to walk into because things can be different and new, and that's scary. And when you don't feel safe, you don't want to do the activity, yep. right? Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and hanging out with me, babe. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been my pleasure. I'm so excited for our mentors to hear this and, and get all of these tools because they're going to have longer periods of time to get to know their students. But with these really great kind of micro interactions and skills, they're going to be able to really engage students quickly and start building relationships well. Did we just hear so many tools, right? I am so grateful Michael was willing to come and share with us this week. I think one of the hardest things we do as mentors is building that initial relationship, getting buy-in and engagement from our mentee. Coach Barry just gave us a whole bunch of different ways that we can do that well. I wanna highlight a few of them for you. The first is remembering the importance of a name. Kids' names are important and the fact that you know their name or you know the nickname that they like to be called is so powerful and impactful. Quickly learning your mentee's name and using it so that they know you know who they are. Secondly, is making your conversations a continuation from week to week. Remembering something they told you from the week before and bringing it into the conversation this week allows them to know that you remember what was going on in their life and it was important enough for you to ask about. That is a great way to build and maintain your relationships. And the last piece that is just so, so important is holding space for your mentee. In this world of chaos and craziness and screens and all of the different things, very often when kids are talking, the people that are listening to them are distracted by their phone, by things that are going on in the world around them, by other people, by sounds. And so if you as a mentor can hold space for your mentee, you can give them your full attention and listen to them Man, that is so powerful and allows them to feel like you really care about them and what they say is important. Thanks guys for joining me this week. I am so excited to meet with you again next week. This podcast is brought to you by Catalyst Mentoring. You can find us online at www.catalystmentoring.org and make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes.